HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And I know everyone is anxiously awaiting the penultimate episode of Tech Bytes for 2023. If you are a regular listener of Tech Bytes, you know that our penultimate episode is always a year in review. We like to have guests come back on, guests who were on earlier in the year, to talk about what their business is up to, how they're doing, any newsy events. And typically, it's great to have a company or an organization whose business is the business. Today, we have joining us in Roberta's, in the Heritage Radio Network Studio, which is, yes, in Roberta's Pizza. Yes, we just had pizza. Yes, it's those two shipping containers that you see when you're sitting in the dining room. We were closed for a little bit during the pandemic, but we are back on the air and back in business. And you will hear the patina of the dining room and live conversation, which is great. And so happy for 2023 to be back in studio. So joining us today are two people who I have not met in real life until this very moment. They were on the show in January, uh, episode 283, and we did that virtually online on Zencaster. Um, but it's nice to see them in real life and share some pizza with them and get to have a year-end conversation. So joining me today, we have Lehia Guajala the executive director of the Workers' Justice Project, and Josh Wood, who is an organizer and leader of the Los Deliveristas Unidos. You'll recognize their voices from earlier this year. Delivery workers, delivery drivers in New York City and urban cities, delivery services, app-based delivery services, Seamless, Grubhub, DoorDash, Convenience, this is a story we are very passionate about at Tech Bytes, and it is something that we have been covering since we first went live on the air in 2015. The first episode we did was episode number 31 back in September of 2015. The episode title was, Are Delivery Services Bad for Restaurants? At that time, Seamless was the big one to talk about. It was a company that was started to make it easier for accounting services in big companies when they were going to pay for dinner with people who were working late. So if you worked at a big company and you were working late and they said, oh, everybody can like order pizza. Seamless was a way for a company to have everybody order through the same account and then they could track it and they could make easy payments. It was never necessarily intended to be the thing that it is now. But that's how it started. And so initially, the question was, how's that work for restaurants? Because at the beginning, restaurants had to sign non-disclosure contracts. 
I had two restaurant owners come on and speak anonymously because of that. And restaurants had to pay, do pay a percentage of the order to the delivery app. 8%, 10%, 12%, 15%. At the point we were doing the episode, there were something like six or 7,000 restaurants in New York City on Seamless. And how do you get to be the one that people order from? Well, you want to be on the front page. You want to be the thing that pops up or you want to be the number one re restaurant when you search pizza. And how do you get that? It's not user clicks or likes, it's you can pay some extra money and get listed first. So there was a whole list of things that restaurants needed to do and pay for in order to make this work. And at the end of the day, what would happen is that 10, 12, 15% that restaurants had to pay to the delivery apps was the percentage of profit. And there, it's still, it, it still makes me feel some kind of way when I listen to this episode after the break, one of the restaurant owners, I ask him, how do you make money using these? And he says, we don't. And they were losing money on orders, but they felt like they had to be in it to be a part of the trend, service customers, keep up with keeping up. So it seems that not a lot has changed in the delivery app world. People are still ordering more and more, more and more, more convenience, more convenience, faster, faster, grocery delivery in seven minutes, convenience, get your food now. You can get anything delivered. You could get a cup of coffee delivered, literally, like a cup of coffee delivered to your, to your apartment, which is kind of crazy to me and like so luxurious and excessive. It seems crazy. But now a lot of the conversation has shifted away from restaurants, although the struggle is still there for restaurants to make money with delivery apps. And that's a whole other conversation that we've sort of segged into particularly with the pandemic where delivery really became the lifeline for restaurants. Whenever people talk about innovating for restaurants to help them make more money to take back some power and control of their own sales and marketing, they talk about the order platform, which is great. You build your own order platform. You have people order through something that you own. You don't have to pay a percentage to someone else. That's great. Little by little, restaurants have more and more options of how to deal with delivery in terms of the order platform. That's an easy tech solve. Companies like Bento Box, who we've had on numerous times over the course of the year, they are websites and digital tools for restaurants. And you could set up an order system there on your own website and you're all set and you don't pay anybody anything. But the piece that nobody has been able to crack, the thing that no one has been able to innovate through technology, and you probably can't innovate it through technology because it's people, is the last mile delivery. It doesn't really matter what your ordering platform is, who owns that technology, who owns that app or that web page or that service, at the end of the day, once somebody's ordered something, you need it delivered. And in New York City and other urban places, that delivery happens by a person riding a bicycle or a scooter, mostly. In other suburban cities, it happens with people driving their cars, and we've done shows about that also. It's a completely different paradigm, completely different profession almost, and has a completely different set of things to look at. When we were talking about delivery today, we are talking about delivery apps, Uber, DoorDash, Relay, Grubhub, and we're talking about delivery drivers who are people riding bicycles outside in the streets of New York City. Why is this story so fascinating to me? Why is this story something that we continue to cover over and over and over again? We did a series, a three-part series on delivery last year in 2022. The thing that I'm confounded by, and maybe if you're listening and you have a thought, send us an email, reach out to us on social media, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org, techbyteshrn on Instagram, Facebook, all over the place. We care so much about where our food comes from. Heritage Radio Network is founded on the principle that we care about where our food comes from. And we care about good food for everybody, a delicious life for everyone, access, being good to the planet, being good to people, community around food. We care about all those things. And a lot of you listeners and a lot of the public care about those things also. Shop local, green market, organic 
the chef, recycle, all of those things. But somehow, we don't see that last mile. People can be very voracious and protest and hashtag and get all up in arms about, you know, having winter tomatoes trucked in from, you know, a greenhouse in Mexico and be livid about that because we should be having local seasonal produce. But somehow we're not paying attention to that last mile. We don't care about the tomato once it gets to the restaurant. As soon as it gets packed up and leaves and is on delivery to my door, to someone's door, we're not thinking about that last mile. We're not thinking about the person who is maybe worried about their life, maybe worried about an accident, maybe worried about getting robbed, maybe been outside in the snow for hours and hours, maybe has to go to the bathroom and can't find a place to go, maybe lots of things. Maybe he's not going to get tipped. Maybe he's not going to get paid a fair wage. Maybe a lot of things. There's a lot of things that are not good, correct, legal, uh, as advertised, happening in the delivery driver universe profession. But somehow we don't pay attention to that. So we are doing our year in review show, looking at Los Deliveristas Unidos, because I love this story. I love this group. They were formed in 2020 with five very, very simple things they are asking for, wanting, needing, essential, five essential things. I'm going to let Josh tell us what those five things are. And I'm going to start off with the five things because these five things that they have come together to organize, to ask for, to voice, to take their voice and request to the public, to government, to anybody listening, are five things that I promise you when you hear them, you will assume that you have them as a citizen of the world and a resident of whatever city you live in. So I'm going to introduce Josh. Thank you for coming on in real life and being here and nice to meet you in person. You are one of the um, organizers and leaders of the group. It's on the website. When you go, it's right there where we've banded together for five things. What are the five things? Hey, my name is Josh. Um, I've been working delivery apps since about 2016. Um, I joined Los Deliveries Unidos at the end of 2020. Um, it's it's a pleasure to meet you. You've almost been driving as long as we've been doing the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we can have like tandem anniversaries. Um, yeah. When we when we came together, it's when we finally did something about how poorly that we were being treated um, on the streets. the The very first demand that we asked for, and it took us almost two years to get this one, um, was bathroom access. Um, that's the right to use the bathroom at restaurants, which we are picking up from, um, which has been at the start of this industry and especially during the pandemic, um, was repeatedly denied to us. Um, I think that's something which has, it's shown how we are viewed in this, in this whole economy. Um, where yes, people are conscious about a lot of things where their food's coming from. Um, but then once you add this technology to the mix, there's a little bit of a dehumanization element, um, where it's, this is an app, which it's on your phone. You pay for it with a subscription, like you would for Netflix. Um, you hit a button, food shows up at your door. Um, it's hard for people to understand that there's a real human at the end of that who has real human needs. Um, Even when that human will knock on their door and hand them their food. And I know during the pandemic, sometimes it was leave it at the door and things like that because of human contact. So even in that instance, if you weren't actually seeing somebody, you were aware that it was a person because you were making some sort of adjustment to protect everybody's person from, you know, the virus. So Mm. it's interesting because there is a disconnect between the humanity and the person and just like the fun, easy app thing. There were times in which it didn't make sense, but those were the rules that people seemed to agree to. So thing number one, being able to use the restroom at a restaurant that you're 
kind of technically working at and almost an employee. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that doesn't sound outlandish and crazy to me. So that's number one. What's number two? Um, number two was about safety on the streets. Um, that was what the group was formed by, um, was a group of workers on the Upper West Side um, who went to a local precinct um, where there had been a number of um, violent e-bike robberies which had been uninvestigated. Um, we wanted the police to take these claims of assault and robbery seriously. So an e-bike is worth $2,000 and up, mm-hmm. um, a valuable commodity for anybody. And at different points in time, certainly in 2020 and during the pandemic, when supplies of everything were very low, not only was it expensive, it was difficult to come by. As a person who lives in a city that has you know, police and rules and laws, I expect to leave my apartment and be fairly protected from theft and assault. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I need to go to the police or form an organization to protect me from theft and assault because theoretically, those protections should already be in place. Right? But this is something which we've gotten almost nowhere on. Um, the police view us the same way as these industries as a whole of we're just an inconvenience. And if we, if we demand too much, then it's, it's no longer worth the inconvenience of keeping us safe. But theft is theft. Theft is theft. And their response to, Hey, I have a GPS tracker on my e-bike. It's being stored at this apartment with 10 other stolen e-bikes. They always make some excuse to why they can't do it. So that's number two. Uh, to be safe from theft and assault. Also something I I think that I have when I leave my home and Mm -hmm. am living in my home. So that's that's notable. And number three? Um, Accident protection um, and real benefits, which would would cover this. Um, This is a really dangerous job. Um, All of us have been in accidents before. Being on the street in New York City in traffic, regardless of what you're doing, whether you're walking, walking a dog, riding a city bike, riding your own bike in a car, driving a car, riding the bus, it's there's a lot happening. There's a lot of people. It's aggressive. People are moving fast. They're not necessarily paying attention, less and less so as time goes by with phones and iPhones and things like that. So it's 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 kind of a gauntlet out there. We're being paid um, to be able to beat the traffic. Um, And in streets which are trying to kill us, um, we are being judged by the standards that is being pushed all the time by people who are going faster and faster. And that's just what the customers expect out of us. So speed, the increased speed equals potential increased accidents. And then currently, drivers are not given any type of accident or health benefit because the type of employment is part-time it's, for hire contractor contractors yeah, there's, there's no no health insurance attached to so that you're not a full-time employee yeah no no benefits no injury time off no workers compensation um if you get injured on the job if your body gets damaged your bike gets damaged um then it's well too bad looks like you're not going to be making any more money until you're healed right number four um, transparency over pay and tips. Okay. Uh, that's something in which we are paid through this digital marketplace, which they control all the information, they control all the inputs, and sometimes it gets confusing. Uh, we don't know where our money is coming from. We don't know if all the tips have been going to us. Transparency, that seems fair. And what was the fifth one? Um, a living wage. And this is something in which we have made some progress on. Um, last week, after almost a year of it being delayed by political battles and then a court fight, um, the city implemented a minimum pay um, for DoorDash, Uber, and Grubhub to follow. So this is a very, this is part of why we're talking about this as a year in review show, um, because 
appeals have recently just churned through the court system. And last week, the appeals were denied um, by the app companies. Why don't you tell us about the history of the law? Because it's actually quite, uh, it's a landmark. It's quite substantial in that there are general federal, state, and city laws about minimum wage for full-time employees and different types of employees, but they don't apply to gig and contract workers, which is what most of the, which is what all of the delivery drivers are classified as. So this law is the only one and the first of its kind. I'm going to say first of its kind because New York is an icebreaker, like everything, um, in the country. And it's the first one, certainly in the state, in the city, and the first one that the delivery apps have been forced to contend with. So tell us a little bit about the history of it and uh, the passing and the appeals and the amazing news from last week when all the appeals were shut down. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to start by saying and echoing what Josh said, what technology in this multi-billion dollar corporations have done is not only invisibilize and dehumanize. Um, invisibilize. The, and dehumanize the people. I've not heard that word before, invisibilize. <laughs> yeah, and dehumanize those who do the last mile delivery. Uh, but also what they have done is they have actually taken away basic labor protections that traditionally workers are granted under our labor laws. Um, and those are access to or, or the right to be paid a minimum wage, the right to be um, have access to paid sick leave, the right to have workers' compensation. These are like basic protections that were, were actually won in the 1930s. And what these apps have done is, is taken away and turned workers into independent contractors. And this is what it took, this is why we fought for some labor protections um, that are, are, are historic, are landmark, but are very basic still to workers who deserve much more. Um, and the minimum wage, um, it's, it's significant um, because it's for the first time in history, um, in, in our history, guaranteeing a minimum wage to independent contractors who, do, who have been intentionally excluded by multi-billion dollar corporations. And what we did in New York is we secured um, $17.96 per hour for all those companies that do want to pay um, all the connected time. And then also 50 cents per minute for those companies who only want to pay active time, which turned out to $29.96. It's a huge progress, but not enough. Um, but to get us here, we had to fight um, and get into a battle with multi-billion dollar corporations who have put enormous amount of money into lobbying, into multi into legal fees, um, and lobbying to try to like delay the implementation of minimum pay. It took us an entire year. The actual law was supposed to uh, go in effect in January of this year, but it didn't because of the active lobbying um, of these companies, the active also misinformation campaign that they've been leading to divide workers. Um, and in the last tactic they use is a legal tactic in an attempt to delay um, the minimum pay, which was then is expected to be implemented in July. And it didn't. It took us almost an entire six months to get us here. Um, and because the companies have an enormous amount of money to invest, um, to try in legal fees, and uh, put out a misinformation campaign, in active lobbying to try to confuse the public and confuse elected officials, confuse consumers about what this minimum pay really means for deliveristas. And despite their 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 legal tactics that has cost more than $300 million since July 12th to, to Deliveristas. That's who, how much money they've spent on legal and that's That's the amount of activities. money. No, that's the amount of money that actually Deliveristas lost 
got through this process. Um, it would actually the CWP, the agency, which is a Department of Consumer and Worker Protection, estimated that since July 12, uh, the 65,000 were losing about $15 million per week. Wow. Um, because of the delay. Um, so that's by, understandably why the companies don't want to do it. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And despite what they argue, um, and despite um, all the confusion that they have been created, not only among workers, uh, but also among consumers, uh, the, this minimum pay will uplift um, the lives of, of immigrant workers, New Yorkers. Um, and this is the first week that we're going to start monitoring and, and tracking to see how change happens and making sure, most importantly, that these companies do comply. Um, and, you know, we're, we're here to keep working with the agencies, to keep empowering workers. Um, and the fight is not over. Uh, we still have a long battle to go to make sure that not only compliance, but I think, as Josh have said, there is much more to do um, to ensure that these companies are more transparent, to make sure that workers have more safety in the streets and more protections. That's a lot of money to have lost over the course of a year. If it was supposed to go into implementation in January 2023, which is when you first came on the show, we are recording this on December 11th in 2023, and this is the first uh, the first pay cycle that people are starting to see the adjusted pay, which on the one hand, it's a nice moment. It's December. It's the end of the year. A lot of people are celebrating different holidays. So it's a nice moment to have some extra money. It's a shame that it took a whole year to do, to get, for a law that was already passed, is that the greatest accomplishment for 2023 that you fought to keep a law that was passed active and then implemented? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, it took I mean, us that's essentially what it is, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We we were able to to basically fought a year-long I would say uh campaign um that was about making sure the public elected officials, even, um, you know, the court system sees that this is the right thing to do. And we were not fighting in like just, you know, an employer around our corner. We were, we were, we were fighting against multi-billion dollar corporations that have a enormous amount of money to fight the power of Los Deliberistas Unidos and, and the organizing effort. What are the... You, you both talk about um, transparency. You talk about, you know, the public understanding what's happening in terms of how the delivery system works and how people are compensated. Talk about people understanding that from a public point of view, both in terms of people who are making laws, who are voting for laws, people who are using the apps. What are what are the top what are the top messages that you are always striving to communicate to them around these issues? What were the what were the top talking points in terms of explaining why this was important is important? Yeah, um, do you want to start? I, I can start, and and Josh can also say like share his own perspective as worker. But I would say to to most importantly to consumers. Um, I think it's important to understand that, you know, that that person that does the last mile delivery is not considered a worker. And that's the court of this issue. Um, the core issue is that workers are excluded from basic labor protections, which means that if that person gets in an accident while delivering your noodles, your coffee, that person doesn't have access to workers' compensation. That person doesn't have access to paid sick leave. Um, and, and if that person dies at that moment, that person have died without access to basic labor protections, without being able to hold these multi-billion dollar corporations accountable. The other one that is important... So bef before you pivot off to the next one, they're not considered workers. And when you say workers, you're specifically talking about the legal definition of a worker. So an employer 
employee worker. Delivery drivers, their legal category in the employment chain is contractor, work for hire. So hourly, contract, whatever it is, you're outside of the company structure of employees and workers. Correct. So it's the same idea as people who are waiters or bartenders or, you know, nannies or sometimes healthcare people or there's a whole whole group of people who work in this freelance consultant work for hire category. We found out as a society, very pointedly during the pandemic, who's considered a worker and who's not. Because if you were considered a worker, you were probably continued to get paid something. You could possibly work from home. You had health insurance. You had some time off. You maybe had some other benefits for your family and things like that. If you were an employee and a worker of a company or an entity. Everybody else, there were a lot of people who got stuck, who realized, you know, being freelancer for hire or a contractor is great from one point of view because you do have a tremendous amount of freedom. You can, you know, make your own schedule, work with who you want to work with, but there's no protection benefit safety net for you. Did people understand that more now coming out of the pandemic or still the same? No understanding or I understand it in this situation, but I don't understand it in this situation. I think a lot of it has has been lost. Um, A lot of the focus, which was during the pandemic on essential workers, was something which people were um, outside their windows at seven o'clock every evening. If if you remember that, they'd be clapping um, and the deliveristas were the only ones on the streets. Um, And it does sometimes feel like almost four years later since then, they have forgotten a little bit about the sacrifice that we made um, and the work that we've done. Um, I think people are also forgetting that we are tipped workers. Um, One of the unfortunate changes that the companies have made in the last week in response to this new regulation um, is that they changed the way that our tips are handled. Um, It's a really simple change. They just moved the the tip button from when you place the order to as an afterthought of after you complete of after you after you complete the order and once it's dropped off then you get the notification tip um ineffective this is relegating tips from being an essential part of the service of the service to an afterthought um for the customers um i'm sure they have statistics about how frequently people tip and where the best where the best opportunity for the most tipping and the most money is in the UX user journey. I'm 100% certain that there are numerous studies, reports on algorithm, button placement, color, all those kinds of things that they know exactly at what moment in the process and how to present it to people in order to get them to tip the most. I'm sure they know that. Absolutely. Remember, these are tech companies, which means that Part of their service is providing a product, but ultimately these companies are data companies. Mm-hmm. Um, their business, which allows them to be so successful with us, is the fact that they have micro data on worker behavior, which almost nobody else has. Um, on any given day, you can have two deliveries standing on the same corner, working for the same app at the same time. They're not going to be give, they're not going to be assigned the same orders. Why? The apps know their entire history, thousands of orders which they've been assigned. Which one of them will only work if they get assigned a good order? They're going to come back to work the next day. They're going to be happy. Which one of them can wait an hour before getting an order and still be waiting there an hour from now? Mm. The apps know that. The so they, apps, they parse things out accordingly in, orders, in milliseconds of processing probably. Yeah. Two orders going from the same location to the same other neighborhood, they're not going to pay the same. Um, This is selective pricing on the level of 
it's contract work. So it's you are being paid one order at a time. And their business model has, and yes, this minimum pay is going to add some disruption to it. But their business model has always been based around figuring out on a worker-by-worker basis and on a customer-by-customer basis, what is the least amount of money we can charge the customer to still want to order their food? And then what's the least amount of money that we can pay a worker and still have it get done on time? The race to the bottom is what they call that. Mm-hmm. And the race to the bottom. It's always it's only been going down. You know, I've sp- I've spoken to so many founders and innovators in the tech space on this show. Um, we'll be coming into episode three hundred in twenty twenty four, which is amazing to me. And everybody talks about disrupting and innovating, and you know building a better widget or better company or better process that's better for the people and the planet and community and and all those types of things. And I've been waiting for one of these really smart, fired up, innovative, you know, disruptors to figure out what to do about the last mile. And we've had a lot of companies come on who say they can you know, one of the most recent um, super ultra, ultra convenience services was the super fast grocery delivery, you know, groceries to your door in like 10 minutes. A lot of those in New York came from Europe. Great. I mean, I understand it perhaps in different parts of the country. Um, I spoke with a woman who lives in Los Angeles who thought it was amazing, you know, because if she, you know, kids in the morning and needs something, it's there in 10 minutes, it saves the day. But in New York City, we already had that. It's called a bodega. It's called a deli. You call them. You'd say you needed laundry detergent, a cup of coffee, a thing of mayonnaise, you know, some matches, like whatever. And they would, somebody would walk it over (laughs) to your door in 10 minutes or so, and you would pay them or give them a credit card or give them cash, and they would go. So we already had ultra fast delivery (laughs) in New York City for most things. But nobody's innovated that last mile. Nobody has innovated a delivery company or service or the way that it's happening or the way that you do it. Um, you know, I know that Relay is a company that people talk about functioning a little bit differently. Most, And as we said at the top of the show, a restaurant can figure out the technology, the platform of delivery, like, oh, I can build my own delivery platform, but then they still need to deliver it. So do they have their delivery people on staff? Do they use another service? Relay is a service that a lot of people use. You can use Uber as well, you know, different things. Why do you think no one has innovated that last mile? I think that there's a limited amount of innovation which can be done. Okay. Um, because what's at the backbone of this is the human body. Mm-hmm. Um, these are tech companies. They're not infrastructure companies. Um, when we have asked for things which are going to make our human experience of doing this better, we've asked for um, indoor hubs where we can right. shelter from the elements, charge of the batteries in our bikes. Um, have a bathroom. And this, have a bathroom, yeah. And have this, lunch. The city has stalled about delivering those. We've asked for bike lanes, better bike infrastructure. Again, the city has stalled on delivering those. What's easy to do is come in as an innovator and just be a marketplace disruptor. Um, We've had restaurant people on this podcast before, and it's questionable whether or not this industry has actually helped them. Mm. Um, But they just came in and made it so they have no other option. Right. Um, in the past, you've always been able to order food in New York City by calling the restaurant. Absolutely. You can get anything you want delivered to your door in New York City, and you don't need an app for it. You need a phone number, maybe some cash and a credit card, but you can get lots of stuff delivered. And all this did was it streamlined the experience of doing that by instead of having to speak to someone over a, a joggled phone line, you get to have a smooth app interface and it looks all pretty. Um, but ultimately the backbone of it is the same. Um, the only innovation that they've been doing is figuring out how to get people to buy their product and get, getting people to work for them. Well, figuring out how to get people to buy your product is certainly important. We try to figure out how to get people to 
buy this product. And by this product, I mean this podcast, Heritage Radio Network. Uh, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. We keep the lights on and the mics hot out of the generosity of our members, many of whom are you listeners, grants, and underwriters like this one. Stay with us and find out who is supporting this episode. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. You are listening to Tech Bytes on the Heritage Radio Network, the weekly show where we talk to innovators and influencers in the food tech space. Are you an innovator, an influencer? Do you have an idea or a question? Reach out and let us know. We are very interactive. You can get a hold of us at techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org if you want to send an email. Find us on social media, HRN, on Instagram, Facebook, X. Maybe we're leaving that soon. Do a little refresh on the social for 2024. Speaking of 2024, we have a lot coming in. We have a lot of new things happening. We're going to find out what Los Deliveristas Unidos will be fighting for in 2024. But before we close out of 2023, do you like Heritage Radio Network? Do you like this podcast? I do. I think it's important. I think it's an important place to be able to talk about things that impact our lives. Technology is a crazy, wild, fantastical, scary thing. It's a Pandora's box. You can't live with it, can't live without it. Is it going to take over the world? AI, delivery apps. It's important things. Sometimes it's just fun. You know, beautiful pictures of food. Or sometimes it's an ice cream truck. And sometimes it's people's lives. The person's life who's bringing you the salad you ordered for lunch or your pizza. If you think this podcast is important, if you think it's important to share these stories, talk to people and record them and keep them to share, make a donation, become a member before the end of the year, get a tax write-off, we're a .org. It's good, it's good karma, we'll make more radio. If you make a donation or become a member and you designate your gift to Tech Bytes, I will send you a gift along with my undying love. If you are looking for something very cool to get for friends and family, your roommate, how about a Los Deliveristas Unidos t-shirt? They're selling them online. They're pretty swaggy. I got one. I'm wearing it. Josh has a hoodie, which is only for people in the organization. But man, that's the one you really want to get because it's fresh. Los org. Go there, buy some t-shirts, support them, make a donation, get a tax write-off. These things are important. Look around. What's important to you? What do you really like? What do you love? What do you want to make sure we have in 2024 and years to come? Whatever that thing is, support it today. Buy something, make a donation, give gifts to people. Are there people making your life better? Your delivery driver who's going to bring you, who's knocking on your door maybe right now, tip them. Tip them in cash. It's December. It's the end of the year. Christmas bonus, Hanukkah bonus, Kwanzaa bonus, whatever you celebrate, New Year's, Lunar New Year, New Moon. It's the winter solstice right now. Whatever, whatever thing you do that you celebrate, that you love, take a look at it and do something to make sure it's here next year. 
So I know a lot of people are still looking for fun, great things. Nothing like a really cool t-shirt from New York City to show someone you love them. For 2024, we will be working on episodes, three more episodes until we get to 300 and tune into our show, the last show of the year where we will be talking about podcasting trends, what's coming in 2024, and the new executive director of Heritage Radio. So that'll be a good look forward. What do you have going for 2024 at Los Deliveristas Unidos? You have the implementation now of a law you helped pass last year. You got it implemented this year. Josh, what's on the top of your list for 2024? What kind of things do you think are important? Yeah. Um, what's the most what's the most important thing to you? If you could like make a wish and have it come true for 2024, what would be the number one thing? Um, first step, just in the immediate future, um, is making sure that this minimum pay is done fairly. Um, we still have, it's been in effect for a week. Um, some workers have started to receive the payments. Some haven't. Um, there's still a lot of questions about how this is going to affect the apps, um, how this is going to affect who gets orders, who's going to be still getting paid, whose accounts are going to be activated. Um, we want that to be solved. Um, and then once the workers are seeing how this is going to benefit all of us and we can make sure that we are on that page, then the next step is to keep fighting and keep organizing. Um, and I can let Liga answer what we want to fight for in the future. Yeah, uh, deactivation is one of them. There's been an enormous amount of... What is deactivation? On um, Unfair deactivation is it's when a worker um, doesn't get a due process to fight back a complaint that they might uh, have either by the restaurant or by the consumer. Um, the app automatically kicks them out, out of the app, which means they might be left without access to the app, without the ability to work. So essentially they get fired. Yes. Deactivation is getting fired. Yes. So a, an app will just make a decision, an algorithm probably. Is it is it typically people who make the decisions or is it algorithms deciding or a combination? It's a combination of both, so uh, but it's mostly used an algorithm to determine who gets deactivated. So deactivated slash fired where you go into the app and then you've been deactivated. Does it actually say that? Pretty much. You've been deactivated. It's so dystopian. I feel like we're in a movie. Mm-hmm. When your I boss mean, is an app, you get fired via, via and simple And it says you've been, you've been... Okay. So you, they open up the app. They're not able to access it. So they have no more of their history, what their recent, what their deliveries were, what they were earning, and they don't know why they've been deactivated. And because it's an app, and we all know, we've all had the experience where you're on an app or even not an app, but just a service or something. And you want to talk to a person because you have a question or you're trying to figure something out or some, you know, sometimes I like to call restaurants to make a reservation with a person that's very hard to do sometimes. I mean, even positive things that we want to do and talking with another human being, it's very difficult to do that in this day and age. It's difficult to find a phone number to connect to an actual person. So they have no recourse. There's no person to talk to, to explain to them what happened, why it happened, make a defense to try and keep their job. It's just uh, happens without warning. It happens without much information given. It sometimes what is example, they might say you you've been deactivated because of a customer complaint, right? But they would not disclose what was the complaint, what was the reasoning. There's no real due process for workers to prove that it was a wrongdoing and for them to really fight and recover their accounts, which means their jobs back. Um, and it's a big problem because, as Josh said, that you know there is a lack of transparency many times, and very often times when they call back, they're talking to. Um, sometimes they they can't access anybody, or when they talk to, they talk to a person who's not even in the U.S., who's at a call center somewhere, somewhere in India, somewhere <laughs> or Latin America, right? anywhere. Um, so 
So they have dehumanized and they have also made workers feel that they're 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 not workers, one, and that, you know, what they know that this employer is is an algorithm who doesn't care about their situation, who do not care about whether they'll be left without the ability to feed their own families or the opportunity to pay their rent by earning some income. And and that's 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 the next fight. And then the other one is infrastructure. Um, as as Josh has mentioned, we have a big issue um, in in New York City, which is the the city is not designed for sixty five thousand deliveristas who are on two wheels in our streets. Um, and the city is not designed for a lot of things. Yes, <laughs> the city is not designed for the sheer volume of people and transportation and activities that are happening minute by minute. The city's just simply not designed for it at all. And life and living and the things we do evolves much, much faster than any kind of city planning or construction can happen. So it's not surprising to me. I didn't realize there were 65,000 delivery workers in New York City. Yes, and that's That's a big number. Yeah. And and just so you know, that that's a number we've been using from 10 years ago based on the the numbers uh, that existed. But, you know, it's is an industry that is consistently changing uh, industry that it's growing. Right now you see these big delivery companies not only delivering your food, it delivers your grocery, it delivers your medicine from your pharmacy, it's delivering from pet stores. Anything that can be deliver deliver on a two bike, it's being delivered at this moment. Amazon Fresh, exactly. Amazon two hour delivery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the industry is growing, and and we we strongly believe, you know, that there's more workers, especially with newly arrived New Yorkers arriving in our city and finding ways to enter in a workforce. App delivery has become a entry door to the workforce as well. So there's more, probably more workers that are that you know are are not being accounted into this number um and and as you said the city is not designed for for most things for most (laughs) things and nevertheless for um you know workers who do that last mile delivery so we're we're working with the city and our hope is that you know we can accomplish something we've been fighting for and we have been committed to do um which is deliver the the first e-bike charging stations and the Deliverista hubs. Uh, We have made huge progress this last year as well about making sure we have some federal funding, which is Senator Schumer, who made a commitment of 1.1 million um, to design two Deliverista hubs. Uh, We have gotten the commitment of the administration of the mayor, Eric Adams, to make sure that we can transform two new stands into e-bike charging stations as light Deliverista hubs. And we're hoping that that can become the blueprint around um, around the city and around the country about how we can, it is possible to transform our city and, and, and build the infrastructure for those people that keep, you know, your constituents and your city possible. fed. Of course it's possible. And especially in this time when there are so many empty, unutilized spaces after the pandemic and the different events that happened in New York, the economy, uh, you know, people migrating out of the city into other cities, out of New York, there's a lot of empty space. There's a lot of empty space, empty public space, empty private space, empty storefronts, empty newsstands. And having something that's there, that's life, that's vibrant, is safer for the street that it's on, is better for the neighborhood, is better for the economy and all those types of things. It's, it's, you know, economics and, and civics 101 that abandoned empty things are not good and things that are being used and populated are better. So there's a lot of, you know, space and things also. Um, Again, I'm, I'm always, astounded by how fundamental the requests are 
and how fundamental the things are that you want and that you're fighting for. They just seem so fundamental as a person who lives in today, my modern day society and life and world that there are people fighting for these things. In New York City, capital of the world, greatest place on earth, you know, the land of abundance, there's something that's really disheartening to me uh, and makes me really, uh, it makes me sad that that's, you know, quite honestly, that that's what's happening, that we're at that level, that you have to go out in your day and fight for something that I assumed mm -hmm. we all just had. And it's, it's all about the choices that society wants to make. Um, as you've said, we have all this empty spaces. Um, it's about to be winter time, or it is winter time. It is winter time. It um, snowed last week. It did we're snow officially, last week. It's the winter solstice. It's here. My biggest challenge in working in the winter is how do I stay warm? The only times in which I am inside during the day is when I am picking up an order, maybe waiting for it, and running up the elevator to drop it off. Um, if you want to be inside in the city, you can walk around a store, keep your legs moving. You can't really sit down. Right. You could go inside a subway station. You could walk around in circles until people start to ask you what you're doing there. You could pay five bucks for a coffee. Um, we have a lot of buildings. We have a lot of indoor spaces that people should be able to go inside and they should be everywhere. Um, we've encountered hostilities in having charging stations on the Upper West Side because they're worried, oh, you're going to congregate there. What's going to happen there? We've had hostilities in Chelsea um, where the residents have been like, oh, but the homeless are going to use them. And they're lumping us essential workers in the same category as homeless people. They're lumping homeless people in the category of prisoners who are dehumanized. Um, it's just one chain of dehumanizing people all the way down. Um, and we're stuck in that chain of like, we are expected to do this work um, when society is not willing to make the most basic accommodations um, to make our life easier. It's expected that everyone in the city is just like moving around, they're going from their office to their home to their third place, whatever. Um, some people's lives are more complicated like that. Um, and the city isn't willing to bend and make the city more inhabitable for people who are just doing whatever they need to do to get about the day. Well, just think about how much happier people would be if they could have the ultra, ultra fast delivery for everything. If it was better and easier to be a delivery person, you would probably have more people who wanted to deliver and could probably get there faster if the city was built for it. And then you could have like ultra, ultra, super fast delivery for everything. Um, my sense is that this is a story that we will continue to talk about on Tech Bytes into 2024, just because it will continue to evolve and it will always be here, I think. Um, although that also is, is a sobering thought that it's something that we will continue to cover eight years in. I wonder what it would take for someone to disrupt or create a last mile delivery company service that would be better and viable. We might do an episode on that. Maybe we'll go to some smart think tank B-school thing and have some smart B-school folks do some case study on what it would take. Maybe we'll do that for 2024. That sounds like an interesting idea. Last thoughts while we close this out. Um, although we could talk, we, I could probably do a whole season or a series. We could have a whole podcast called Los Deliveristas Unidos. Maybe we should. Maybe we should do that for 2024. Um, I would learn Spanish possibly also to do that. Do you have last thoughts to close out the year, to look into next year, close out the episode, commentary about the pizza, you know? Well, pizza was great. T-shirts, <laughs> any shout out, something you want people to know, anything. I think to your point, um, it is winter. It is winter here. I'm going to say it again. It was raining this morning. It rained yesterday you know delivery was through the roof on a day like that. On a rainy Sunday in New York City, people are ordering everything for delivery, and that's going to go up, which is great, I guess, 
for people. They can stay in. It's going to snow. It's going to rain. There's going to be sporting events and parties, and that's fantastic. Tip your drivers. Tip your restaurants. Tip your people. Tip the driver who brings your food. Tip your cab driver, your Uber driver, your Lyft driver, your dog walker, babysitter, au pair, hairdresser, postal person, UPS person, like all those people who knock on your door and give you something and do something for you, especially if it was snowing. <laughs> Tip, cash always works. Mm-hmm. And there is, an, there is a cash app, but I don't mean the cash app. I mean cash, cash. Like paper money, cash. Yeah, cash and join the movement too. Oh, how do people join the movement? Yeah, so we have a customer delivering justice campaign as well for customers who use app deliver industry, uh, who we are inviting to become part of the movement and really transform app delivery in a more ethical industry. Mm-hmm. And we strongly believe that this is not a fight um, that led should not only be led by deliveristas, but I think we're all impacted by um, by by these delivery companies and this new type of technology that is disrupting our communities. We strongly believe that consumers have a role to play, restaurants have a role to play, and our goal is to bring, hopefully in the future, right, consumers, um, deliveristas, and restaurants really rethink about how we build technology that works for all of us. Um, And so Customers Delivering Justice is a campaign about empowering consumers to use also use their voice uh, and their power to really transform um, the industry in a more ethical industry. So how do people get involved? So go to Customers Delivering Justice, join our mailing serve, and we will um, invite you to our uh, next briefings um, and talks that we will have with consumers. And if you want to join and hopefully become an organizer as well uh, in organizing your community um, and organize your neighbors as well, like what you can do as a consumer is also powerful um, and can ma- make an impact in the lives of deliveristas in our city. So to find all them, you want to go online. Uh, workersjustice.org is a good one. Los Deliveristas Unidos. Dot org is another good one. Everyone is on social media, on Instagram. Get involved. You have a, any last thoughts? Um, just Shout outs, things, wishes, advice. I think you said it best. Tip us well. Um, remember the human element behind this. Um, and it, yeah, it's not just us. As you were talking about a way to make a truly innovative last, last mile. They have robots that they're testing out in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I don't think the technology is there mm-hmm. for that yet, and I think it's going to be a long time before it yep. is there yet. Especially in New York so City. So in the meantime, as AI and tech and the digital space becomes more and more a part of our life, um, it be- can become easy to forget that behind that digital sphere, there's a human element behind it. Um, when you're ordering food in the rain because it's convenient for you, know that there's someone who's been getting wet for the last 10 hours and yep. is soaked and is not at a place to warm up inside um, who has been delivering food all day for you. Yep. And it's a job that uh, this is going to be a weird thought from one point of view, given all the things that we talked about, but you like your job. You've been doing it for seven years. There's an aspect to the freedom that it allows you that keeps you continuing to do it. So you have chosen to do that. You have also chosen to make your profession better for yourself and other people and your coworkers and your colleagues. So everybody needs to kind of meet in the middle, I think, also, though, right? Absolutely. On a good day, this is one of the last free human jobs which exists. on a bad day, you get the other side of the experience. Of Where you're in the rain for 10 hours and nobody tips you and you might get hit by a car, hit by a car like yeah. or open up the app and get the fired, fired. Yeah. 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 And I think let's, let's just start remembering that also, even though we made huge progress with the minimum pay, it only covers the active time. Right. Um, which means that, the 
if delivery if deliverista can be in the street Waiting. for 10 hours right. and it only work four hours they're only being paid for those four mm -hmm. hours yeah. and that's why tipping is a still critical part of of their income and their livelihood amazing it's amazing how much tipping just as a concept is so important for so many industries for so many people so many businesses and companies rely on the general public to tip to balance what their workers' compensation is. That's a whole other episode also. It doesn't have anything to do with tech per se, but too much to talk about. I wanna thank uh, Josh and Lahia for coming on the show in real life this time, their second time this year. Uh, and you know, I know it was a long year of, of getting a law that you fought to pass implemented, but you know, congratulations, right under the wire, second to last week, third to last week in, in December. Um, and people are starting to see that, that difference in their checks, which is important. And it's a really good time of year for that to happen. So, you know, congratulations you. to you and, and all your colleagues and all the people who work to do that and the people in the law and legal system who also helped to make that happen. If you're listening to this episode, think about it. Think about the choices that you make. Think about what happens. Think about when you're on your phone doing things for convenience. Think about the people on the other side of that. There's so much AI, VR, uh, non-human contact coming. It's, it's really interesting and fantastical and distressing all at the same time. So we're going to keep it analog at Heritage. We're going to keep it in person. We're going to talk to each other face to face. We're going to eat pizza. We're going to keep doing it, hopefully, for another eight years. Thank you for listening to our year in review of 2023 with Los Deliveristas Unidos. I'm Jennifer Leuzzi, and this is Tech Bites. This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.